وَإِذْ جَعَلْنَا الْبَيْتَ مَثَابَةً لِلنَّاسِ وَأَمْنًا بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد In this episode we take a look at the significance of the Kaaba in the life of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam after migrating to Medina Surely the first and most significant event involving the Kaaba after Hijrah was the turning of the Qibla towards Kaaba. We know that the Prophet ﷺ prayed towards Baytul Maqdis for the first 16 or 17 months after migrating. Here a question arises that did he also pray towards Baytul Maqdis at Mecca? when he was living there. We've hinted towards the answer of this in the previous episode where we referenced some narrations that mentioned the Prophet ﷺ praying towards Baytullah in such a way that he was also facing Baytul Maqdis. So basically he was aligning the two Qiblas by praying from the side of Al-Hajr Al-Aswad and Al-Rukn Al-Yamani he was in fact praying towards Bayt al-Maqdis but not compromising the Qibla of the Kaaba. After 16 or 17 months after Hijrah and the Prophet desired to have the Qibla changed towards the Kaaba, finally the instructions came that Now you can change your Qibla towards Al-Masjid Al-Haram and the Prophet ﷺ prayed one Salat towards Bayt Al-Maqdis and the next Salat he offered towards Al-Masjid Al-Haram and the story of the Sahaba عنهم, who heard another companion announcing that the Qibla has been changed and them, them changing their Qibla right in Salat resulting in the Masjid being named Masjid Al-Qiblatayn this is well known and famous but this was a major incident of course there were some people that were extremely displeased the uh, people from Ahlul Kitab especially uh, from the Jewish community at that time felt really offended that the Prophet had left the Qibla of the Prophets of Bani Israel however this was something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had already designated that was going to happen. He had promised the, the Prophet sallallahu Shortly, we will change your direction to a Qibla that you will be very content with. Let's fast forward a little bit. Sahaba radiallahu are migrating one by one. The Prophet sallallahu himself left Mecca with a very heavy heart. He announced that you are the most beloved place to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if I had not been compelled to leave I would not leave like this one by one and in small groups the Sahaba have completed the migration towards Medina a few years later the Prophet sees a dream in which he and his companions are performing tawaf of the Kaaba and they are cutting their hair or shaving their heads after fulfilling their their rights at the Kaaba and in the sixth year of Hijrah the Prophet ﷺ takes the companions 
and they are all in a state of ihram with the intention to perform umrah they are stopped and in the process that follows the treaty of hudaybiyah is drawn up in which the prophet sallallahu and his companions are not able to perform umrah that year but they are allowed to come the following year and just stay for three days khair the treaty of hudaybiyah is now in effect one year later the prophet sallallahu has a chance to come back and perform umrah this is known as umratul qada and there was a person who had the keys of the kaaba and the keys of the Kaaba stayed with their family. His name was Uthman ibn Talha. In previous years, while the Prophet ﷺ still lived in Mecca, and Quraysh used to open the door of the Kaaba on Mondays and Thursdays, once the Prophet ﷺ wanted to go in and Uthman ibn Talha stopped him, he ridiculed him and reprimanded him for changing his religion and so on and so forth. He used his authority of having the key of the Kaaba to give the Prophet ﷺ a hard time. Nabi ﷺ told him that, Oh Uthman, the day will come when I will have the key of the Kaaba and I will place it in the hands of whomsoever I choose. This man, Uthman ibn Talha, became very much impressed by the Prophet ﷺ and touched by him when he saw him coming for Umratul Qada. And at that time, he decided to accept Islam and migrate to Medina. When he migrated to Medina, he had the key of the Kaaba with him. He accepted Islam, took bay'ah on the hands of the Prophet and the Prophet then asked him for the key. And he passed over to him the key of the Kaaba. And then he والسلام, gave it back to Uthman ibn Talha. And he said, remember that conversation we had, remember the words that I said. And Uthman ibn Talha remembered those words that the Prophet وسلم, said, one day I will have the keys of the Kaaba and I will give them to whomsoever I wish. Now, some narrations mention a similar incident at the time of the conquest of Mecca. Let's fast forward a little bit and go to the conquest of Mecca. Let's talk a little bit about what happened there before talking about the story of Uthman ibn Talha once again. The Prophet ﷺ in the eighth year after Hijrah enters into Mecca. He is entering with his head lowered out of humility he's entering as a conqueror but he's entering in a very in a very humble fashion one of his people Sa'd ibn Ubadah announced to Abu Sufyan who had not yet accepted Islam that today is going to be a day of slaughter and today even the hurma of the Kaaba, meaning the sanctity of the Kaaba, is not going to be maintained. There's going to be bloodshed. Abu Sufyan came and complained to the Prophet that this is what Sa'ad is saying. And he is saying that there's going to be bloodshed and 
and slaughter and the sanctity of the Kaaba is not going to be maintained. The Prophet ﷺ did not like these words. In fact, he said, Today is the day of showing kindness. This is a day in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to amplify the sanctity of the Kaaba. This is the day in which the Kaaba is going to be given a new um, kiswa and, and cloth to cover it. The Prophet gave people a chance to take protection either in the Kaaba itself or in Al Masjid Al Haram or in the house of Abu Sufyan or in the house of some other individuals that he mentioned to the extent that he said anyone who enters their house and closes the door is safe no one is going to do anything to them he والسلام, gave instructions that no one is to be hurt except for those who come out with arms and weapons against the Muslims and try to attack them of course then the Muslims would be in a position where they have to defend themselves and there were a couple of exceptions a man by the name of Ibn Khattal Abdul Uzza ibn Khattal who had killed someone and had escaped and he was there clutching on to the cloth of the Kaaba in an effort to escape from his from his sentence he and one more person were condemned to death because of previous acts but the Prophet enters peacefully and he stops and has the Kaaba cleaned out at that time the Kaaba had about 330 60 idols and it had pictures inside the Kaaba there were many pictures that were that were painted there pictures of Ibrahim and Ismail um, pictures where Ibrahim is apparently holding these superstitious arrows that he is using to make decisions these types of paintings existed the Prophet had those paintings removed and uh, and washed away and then he entered into the Kaaba and he had a stick in his hands and he would point the stick towards these idols. He would recite this verse, And as he would point towards each idol, Imam Bayhaqi mentions the riwayah that every idol would fall on its own without anyone touching it. Then the Prophet asks for the key of the Kaaba. Now, some narrations mention that he performed tawaf first on his camel he would point towards Al-Hajr Al-Aswad with his stick he performed tawaf first and then after that he asked for the key now here is where we revisit the story of Uthman ibn Talha the narrations that mention that the Prophet obtained the key from Uthman ibn Talha do not contradict the previous narrations that we mentioned that he actually had already migrated and accepted Islam because the Prophet had handed over the key to him and he was still holding on to it that's why Nabi Wasallam asked for the key to be brought from him. Some narrations mention that Nabi Wasallam sent Ali anhu to get the key from Uthman ibn Talha. Some narrations, however, mention that Uthman ibn Talha had tried to escape. He was hiding on top of the Kaaba. However, people like Hafid ibn Hajar, ibn Abdul Bar, and other scholars do not give too much emphasis or importance to those narrations. They say that Uthman ibn Talha was already a Muslim. Yes, there are narrations that hint towards Uthman ibn Talha having passed the key to his mother and then the Prophet ﷺ sending someone to fetch the key or sending Uthman to fetch the key from his mother. 
in any case, the Prophet ﷺ takes the key and he has the key and he asks that, is there anyone who wants to say something? Sahaba those from Quraysh, wanted to have the key. They wanted to be, once again, uh, in charge of the Kaaba and have full authority over the Kaaba, not that they are the conquerors of Makkah. But the Prophet ﷺ gives the key back to Uthman ibn Talha and he says, take this, it will remain with you until Yawm Al-Qiyamah, only a zalim could take it away from you. And at that time, Uthman ibn Talha was the eldest in his family. The Prophet ﷺ told him, هذا يوم birrin wa wafa. This is a day of, a day of dutifulness. It is a day of fulfilling promises. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has told us, إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَأْمُرُكُمْ أَن تُؤَدُّوا الْأَمَانَاتِ إِلَىٰ أَهْلِهَا This key is going to stay with your family. His eldest son was Shayba, and from, from him the Shaybi family name was established. Until today, the Shaybi family continues to be the key holders of the Kaaba. The Prophet ﷺ goes inside the Kaaba. He makes dua at the various pillars and he prays two rakats. Bilal anhu is with him. Then the Prophet ﷺ comes out and gives a khutbah. So this is another major incident involving the Kaaba. After this, the Prophet ﷺ comes back for, for Hajj. And Hajjatul Wada' is a vast chapter in and of itself. Of course, the Kaaba is at the center of Hajj. We won't go into the details of the Hajj of the Prophet ﷺ in this particular series. Perhaps we'll cover it in another series with the tawfiq of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But what matters here is that before the Prophet ﷺ's time, and during the Prophet ﷺ's life, the Kaaba has been an iconic monument that represents Tawheed, represents attachment to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And during the Prophet ﷺ's time, specifically, it represents a, a markaz. It represents the center of where all the activities involving Nubuwa took place from and all things eventually came back to the Kaaba. And until Yawm Al-Qiyamah, the Kaaba will remain the center of the Muslims. It will remain the point of unity, not just in the direction that we face when we pray, but also as, a, as an abiding message that Tawheed brings us all together. Our belief in Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala and in the Deen of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala in the sacred symbols established by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this lies our unity when we unify ourselves around these important things then it is very much possible that we can overcome our differences and find unity even amongst some of those ancillary differences may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increase our love for him for his deen and for his house and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from those who visit his house again and again hada wa sallallahu wa sallama wa baraka ala nabiyyina muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in wa assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh